0: I do, I tell you what I do have an unfortunate uh, knack of doing is if someone's got a particularly unique accent, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that does this, but if I'm speaking to someone who has a unique accent, something in me wants oh, no. to try it as well. <laughs> as well You're which, one of them. Yeah, I know. It, Wait, partic- but do you,
1: do you do it unintentionally where you start to mimic or is in you just are compelled to just do it back but it's like
0: it's probably you, both
1: you know that you're going to
0: it, it it's both i think and it, oh, it no. not always but and there's something about south african accent it's probably because it's one of the accents that i think i can do now i don't actually Are you know trying to I get can. an invitation to? <laughs> no no i'm not no but there is something <laughs> there's something about it and i used to work with some south africans so Mm-hmm. Like, I've been in in and around them a lot, but it's just like, you know. I don't, I <laughs> Something <what's>... within you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why <laughs> it happens. Hell... Same with, like, Irish as well. Oh, the yeah. The Irish accent.
1: Do you have any, like, set words or phrases that you use as triggers to get into a certain accent?
0: Well, I suppose everyone, everyone normally for the Irish accent either says, top of the morning or to be sure, to be sure, and then you're in. Do you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair play. I always think of like, no, no. Okay. We had a neighbor and I used to hear him say that a lot, but I never knew if it was now or, or no. Yeah. Or who knows? But um, yeah, that's good. When I do a Scottish accent, I worked once. I used to work in a handbag shop way back when. And um, we had this temp girl that came in over summer and she was just the most brilliant person ever. Everyone in this handbag shop was a lot older than me and very serious. And she was just so like, Naughty, and she had to work in the stockroom. And I remember she was telling me she was an avid cyclist, and she was telling me this weird anecdote where she said, "There's a girl in that group of baboons." Like I don't know why, I can't remember why, but for some reason it stuck with me because it just sounds so brilliant with her accent. So now, whenever I think of doing a Scottish accent, the only thing I say is that. And would you like me to do it for you now?
0: Please, I was was assuming you were going to.
1: I I was. Uh, Any, (laughs) any, and all apologies to Scots listening. Okay. there's a girl in that grip of baboons
0: oh that's good
1: thank you i mean that wasn't my best but i'll take it but it was just i mean who knows what we were chatting about that one day but yeah that's my trigger for the one and only thing i can say in a slight scottish accent which didn't
0: didn't we do something now didn't we do something in series one
1: what about accents about accents and we talked about um, if
0: you say if you say those if you say something like space cowboys no it's not what is it
1: <laughs> space ghettos. <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: but what was what is you it?
1: Say, it was if you say space uh if you say space ghettos with space a,
0: ghettos and it sounds like you're saying spice In American, called, yeah. Yeah. Asian, space <laughs> cowboys if you say space <laughs> cowboys you sound scottish yeah space ghettos
1: oh it's gosh. good i
0: love it if you know yeah. listeners if you know of any other examples of that please do send us in send send us in <laughs> send them in to us we <laughs> to hear them
1: yeah that would be greatly appreciated by yeah. all yeah james well here we are another i was gonna say another day another week another, another week
0: wednesday night
1: indeed it is do you know what Pump it's... day
0: Pump <laughs> evening i mean hump <laughs> evening <laughs> keep that in keep that in
1: gosh it's pre-watershed james um yes indeed wednesday wednesday evening this is this is the best way to spend it as the saying goes um but we are here again to continue with this series which is very exciting um and we are talking this week about experience um which yeah, it's another, it's another interesting topic for us to pick. It would be cool to maybe hear a little from you, James, about why it's made the list of chattable points for us. Um, so I don't know if you want to share some of our thoughts on why on earth we picked this one.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's fairly clear that uh, in our culture, in our Western culture, that experience and the pursuit of experience has become more and more popular. So... We're, I, w- I want to believe that we are in the same generation Lexi even though there's a fair few years between us um, <laughs> I mean I
1: found about 7 grey hairs this week so I'm okay. probably in the category I don't,
0: I don't have any so all right, get man. on that Robert, anyway, Robert. Um, but I think you know like the birth of the gap year and uh, all of that and p- wanting to travel and travel being cheaper and more accessible um, has meant that people have wanted to experience the world, but also to to, uh, have believed that experiences will shape them. And to be fair, they do. And so it's just an interesting thing to think about, uh, reflecting and contrasting, say, our generation or the millennial generation to generations prior, where Mm. people's measure of success tended to historically be around financial prosperity and stability and security and that being the measure of success whereas probably more and more now that is less uh, a measure for success and it's more around freedom and flexibility and being able to define your own life in whatever way you choose Mm. and so it feels like material possessions and accruing and accruing wealth is perhaps not people's top priority anymore and it's about getting out into the world and experiencing what the world has to offer and i think it's an interesting reflection on our identity and how we see that uh there are real positives to that and we're going to come on to it with the real positives for around experiences but also if they become the goal in and of itself then there's there's a problem and that's why it's about the ground of the heart so Lex, I wonder whether you just want to share your perspective on the pursuit of experiences and and just thinking about both the positive and negative side of those things.
1: The question I asked myself when we decided that we were doing this episode on experience was, are Christians free to enjoy the things of the world? Because I think for me, that kind of synthesized this, this debate, or at least an aspect of it. Um, And it also kind of nailed attention that that I felt. So prior to being a Christian, I grew up abroad and I studied languages and I traveled and I was really fortunate to be able to travel with my family. My family live all over the world. And so travel and food and people and various cultures like that was something that was just very normal. Um, And I say that that is a privileged thing to be able to say. I I completely acknowledge that. But it was something that was almost expected that as a rite of passage, as an individual in my family, like I was expected to fly the nest and to go and to do all of these things and to kind of, there was a one-upmanship almost in my family of, oh, so-and-so was in Australia for a year on their own. So-and-so met their husband in this country and then they went and moved and now their family live here. And um, so I kind of grew up with this expectation that my life would hopefully... Be one of many different experiences in many different places, and and hopefully with with many different people. Um, and I'm not saying that in becoming a Christian that suddenly shifted and I and I let go of that ambition. In fact, uh, it 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 led to a lot of conversations. But I think the tension that it drew my eyes to um, with the Christian life was that as Christians, we we believe and 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 we embrace that that God is is supreme in in all things, and and therefore our our deepest joy and our, our deepest satisfaction is found in him and, and him alone. And yet at the same time, as I say that, God has surrounded us with these incredibly beautiful places, with wonderful things, with amazing people. And we're not just talking about travel here. I think experience can be anything from people to hobbies, to, to food, to to travel or whatever it may be, anything else. And so the, the tension the main tension that I would sort of pull from from these two things would be, well, how how do we bring this single minded pursuit of of God in relation to all of this other stuff? And what I see coming out of the, that are two dangers, which is that we sort of fall into this world of idolatry, or we fall into this world of sort of being ungrateful for the setting in in which we've been placed. And we've spoken about idolatry before, and what that means what that entails and uh, it's it's basically this sort of feeling that the things of the earth they're, they're too precious to us we we love them too much they are at the center of, of our hearts and our goals and our dreams and all of those other things but then on the other hand we can we can be super ungrateful and, and so i suppose the question that we need to ask ourselves is kind of how do we reconcile those those two apparently opposing perspectives
0: there's two there's two ways of looking at it, isn't there? And I think what we always need to come back to is what was God's original intention in creating yeah. and placing humanity in there. That's that's our that's our gauge, that's our starting point. And so when we when you go back and you you go to those first few pages of the Bible when God created the heavens and the earth and he created sea and sky and land and animals. Um, he saw that he said it was good and then he placed humanity, placed Adam and Eve into this wonderful garden garden to enjoy and to experience and to steward Uh, and so we see in those opening passages that God delighted in his creation and the creation delighted in him and therefore there was this incredible experience this oneness between humanity and god and creation and the creator and so i think that's a really important place to start because it helps frame the fact that we are hardwired to worship we're hardwired we talk about this all the time we're hardwired to worship we're hardwired to worship god and to delight in that was god's original intention that his creation would delight in him and delight in the things that he created Mm -hmm. because it points to this incredible god and then mm-hmm. you know then there's, there's there's loads of other passages then talk about it. so you know in psalm 34 it talks about it says taste and see that the lord is good that that the world and uh to experience the wonder of the world is to taste and to see that the, the goodness mm-hmm. of god I, I think that's an amazing encouragement that 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 we find god and we see god in his creation mm. and therefore we find we find and see god in the experiences amongst his creation i think god has designed us in order to do that and then we also look into the new testament and we see that we see uh, passages that talk about fa- that, that god being a father that gives good gifts to his children uh and that he that he isn't he doesn't withhold. He's not stringent. He's not stingy. But mm. he's generous. He's lavish. He's poured his la- love. There's nothing. Uh, there's nothing tight about God. He is mm. lavish in his generosity and his love. And I think, therefore, we we can tr- build up this picture that of God being a God of experience, in that He wants us to experience Him and His mm. goodness and His creation and delight in it. The problem is. Is that what we then worship the created rather than the creator, which again is what we've talked about before. And so I think I think we, we can catch ourselves either hating experiences or being wary of experiences, like we should never enjoy anything and we should just close ourselves off and become monks and hermits and and not mm-hmm. enjoy the world. And I think that's not what the Bible teaches. But it's also then dangerous to go to the fully the other end the other end of the extreme and and to pursue those things,
1: I think you're right. All well, that's to kind of say that when, so I mean, like John, he talks about he telling us not to love the world or anything in the world, and and James sort of, not you, James, the other James, tell sort of speaks about in um in some of his writings that so sort of friendship with the world is, um to paraphrase, hatred towards God, um but in that they're not telling us to despise the sight of a. I don't know, a a beautiful moon over a beach, (laughs) very specific, or I don't know the taste of like fruit or when a child laughs, like they're not telling us to hate those experiences, but what they're doing is warning us, I think, away from finding our happiness and our meaning and our fulfillment and our purpose in those social systems that maybe that experience represents or the kind of appetite that that experience represents or actions that antagonize God in, in, in some way. I mean, the Bible also says, John also says that God loves the world. And and I think we, again, it, it's not an original thought. We've said it so many times in this, but the Bible isn't condemning of all pleasure. It's condemning of this polluted pleasure. Um, if that makes more sense, perhaps to sort yeah. of to synthesize in, in, in that way. Um, but James, I don't know whether you could um, maybe lead us into this a better understanding then of what the biblical answer is to pursuing experiences in 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 the wrong way, perhaps, or in a way that is maybe more unhelpful yeah. than not.
0: Yeah, and in classic form, and um, uh, I often say this that there's there's really no original thought here, so I'm quite happy to. <laughs> I'm quite happy to lift content straight out of books and Reduce, deliver them. Reduce,
1: recycle. Yeah,
0: so, um, so some of this stuff comes from Mark Sayers in his book, uh, Reappearing Church, and he talks about the issue around experiences and he's come up with eight different categories um, to think about and the lie, the lie that the world communicates to us and then the truth of the gospel and he breaks it down into eight pieces so i, I might just rifle through because i think they're so helpful and, yeah, and people part. can then just do a bit of self self-checking as to where they're up to with some of these things so here's the lie of the world which is that your world is inferior and must be better and that therefore the problem is uh, that that mundaneness is the problem or or living a boring life is the problem um there's a lie around your body turn your body into a perfect looking body that truth is found by looking inward to find the real you that life comes when you escape the mundaneness to the amazing life that is promised don't let anyone or anything stop you from becoming the real you he talks about change, so move toward the perfect life through tips, tweaks, hacks, and the secret of success. Uh, talks about He talks about spirituality. Move past fulfillment by breaking past the barriers set by tradition, religion, and others. And then ultimately, that self is—it's all about you. And I think that's the lie that the world is trying to feed us when it comes to experiences—that it's all about you. Uh, that you can make the changes that you can make those little little tweaks in your life that the truth is found in you and that the problem is that we live this mundane life in a mundane world and, and or, or at least the world that we inhabit is boring and there's a world outside of that that we can go and explore and find fulfillment so that's the lie but then mm. mark says talks about how the gospel paints an altogether different picture so he goes through the same categories the world creation is good like we talked about creation is good although broken by the fall yet christ has won the victory over the fall sin and death creation now groans for the day heaven and earth will be reunited in the new creation he talks about the problem sin and rebellion against god and his created order is the problem uh, your body jesus gift of grace by his death on the cross frees us from the sin of death those who have trusted Jesus receive the body of their hopes, the resurrected body and new creation. It talks about truth and that that's to be found in the Bible, God's revelation in the Bible by the Holy Spirit, that life comes by knowing joy found in worshiping and serving God. That change doesn't come through life hacks and tweaks, but it comes through pursuing Christ likeness. That spirituality, true spirituality, is knowing that we are a recipient of grace which is found in Jesus and that we are pursued and loved by God. And that, that finally uh, that it's not about us, that it's about, it's about Jesus. And I, I found that list really helpful and go and check the book out uh, to, to, to read more about that. But I think that a helpful trigger or a helpful question or just a helpful attitude when it comes to experiences is to use every experience that you have to worship God yeah to to take every moment every opportunity is an opportunity to worship god yeah 100%. it doesn't mean that you have to become super reflective and slow everything down all the time and you have to take a moment every time you do an action and pray or whatever but it's just like you know i had a really nice vegetable curry tonight uh given by some friends thank you lovely and i just i was just like do you know just let's just take a moment just to acknowledge that this is wonderful mm. And I'm going to worship God for it. Yeah. That this and the, you know, there's just there's a whole host of of opportunities throughout the yeah. day, just the small things. Yeah. Where we can show gratitude to God, and I know I'm kind of jumping the gun into application, but I think that's a really good way of approaching experiences. So if you do get to travel, amazing, thank God mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. Um, if you eat an amazing meal or just a good, good old plate of food that's filling and nice you can thank god for it and i know lex you were going to talk about the idea of our stories fitting into the overall the overarching redemptive story of history i think that's a really important point to make
1: yeah we we all love good stories don't we i mean i i work in production so it's my job to bring good stories to life and and we we as people, where, wherever we're from, we're, we're storytelling people and we love to share and to compare. And we all get into those one-upmanship battles um, about this thing we once did. Um, but the, the honest reality is that a lot of our stories aren't gonna end up in in any history book or in um, any film. And once we're gone, like a, a lot of the things that we did will will be forgotten by a, a lot of people which might sound super discouraging but it shouldn't be because i think something that we really need to hold dear and and remember is that if if we're god's children we've been invited into this bigger narrative that's at play we've been mm. invited into a far bigger story than than just our own this new redemptive story that is now our biography that 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 is the story that that we are living out and and it, it it feeds back to the notion that we were exploring in in the, in the last episodes which is that this story is bigger and it's more impressive than anything we could imagine or fathom or even accomplish in in this life because our story is written by a writer that is infinitely more wise than we are what what I think, at least I need to hear, and, and maybe some, some other people, is perhaps that we need to let go of this urgency that we feel to collect it all, to do it all, to see it all, to try it all, um, and remind ourselves that we have a story, but perhaps it's not the autobiography that we've been building it to be. And I think, especially in the moment that we're living in now in lockdown, when so many freedoms have, have been lost for good reason, um, we spend a lot of time imagining the things that we could be doing. And so I don't know about you, James, but I've definitely realized that I've sort of, in the back of my mind, built this list of things that I need to do as, as soon as I'm out. And I'm not I'm not saying that um, that we shouldn't necessarily do that, But I think with that in mind, and with obviously the advent of social media and the way in which all we're seeing all of the time is other people's brilliant experiences, um, I think we need to kind of question whether the things that we want to do do we actually want to do them because we want to or just because we've seen it somewhere else and so it's sort of I don't know wormed its yeah. way into our, our brain as being a thing that we need to complete yeah. to level up or to step into the lifestyle that we feel we are owed or it kind of all comes back to that whole thing of trying to write our own story and it's also tied into expectation for our life and there is an author of, of your story there is an author of, of my story but that that author is not not us and we've been welcomed into this tale of Epic proportions, but we're we're not the hero. um We've been inviting into a kingdom, but you know we're we're not the the king or the queen um, in in that story. And, and I think that's okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think you know just even reflecting on lockdown, I think often the challenge of lockdown is is that we've we've really had nothing to look forward to, yeah. and that again shines a light on our pursuit of what any experiences because you know. Uh, we can't plan anything, you know, I'm sure most people have had to cancel plans, cancel holidays, Christmas, all that kind of stuff. Um, And so I think that has shone a lot light on our culture and that pursuit of it. Um, I think it'd be good to finish by probably just reflecting on what the Christian faith is based on, which is not necessarily an experience but actually it's a person and mm. i i i think we we can we can get confused even within our uh faith and our relationship with god that we pursue the experience rather than the person i think that kind of idea is infiltrated into the church to some extent yeah where churches Often big churches uh, with lots of resources are trying to create a worship experience or they're, they're trying to create a vibe, a trendy vibe, whatever it is, so that people come in and, and they experience something rather than saying, here's Jesus, come to know him, come and see what he's done for you, come and understand something more of his love for you. And in within that truth, experience him. Um it feels like more and more there is an increased emphasis on spirituality and peace and escaping the terrors of this world rather than being equipped to live in the world and to face up to it. And I think for me that that's where I would want to land it all here, which is that um, we're invited to know jesus we're invited into a relationship with jesus that he it's like he holds his hand out to us and mm-hmm. says come and follow me uh and in that there is an experience that is 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 like no other in terms of you get to know your creator you get to know your god yeah um not just the things that he gives you or the things that he provides but him as a person i think that's yeah. really important.
1: Yeah, well, there's a a bit in Jeremiah and that actually perfectly sets it up so brilliant where it says, um, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I'm the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. And yeah, I mean, it's that reminder that, it is a person, it's not, it's not a thing. We're not trying to reach the zenith of experience because we already are invited to know the person that surpasses all of that. Yeah. Um, love that. And it's in pursuit of him that, that those things, that those things too are, are sort of brought to us. Um, so I, I love that as a, as a concluding point, because I think whatever our stance is on the conversation, that is something that is true of it all, isn't it? At, at whatever point we're in and sort of what we're contemplating around experience. but. Um, yeah no that's that's great
0: lex what are we um what are we talking about for the last episode of the series
1: uh oh we are talking about happiness i had a mini brain fart then where i was like oh wow. what are we talking about
0: brain fart. um yeah that.
1: <laughs> bringing back that phrase uh yes we're looking at happiness so i suppose you could sort of see it as the cap which covers all of the topics that we have been discussing over the last five episodes or so because society tells us that if we have sex and money and experience and what are the other two things this is awful um it tells us that if we have all of those things in conjunction with one another we should be the happiest people alive yep. but are we um so we will be looking at that um, and discussing that a little and, and looking at what the bible has to say um so excited
0: oh it sounds lovely <laughs> doesn't it just let <laughs> me we'll just finish on that accent right there <laughs> remarkable see you
1: remarkable. next week yes indeed take care